Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday evening as I am recording this following the Denver Nuggets win over the Golden State Warriors final score 126-121. They tried. The Golden State Warriors definitely tried to sweep this series and take care of it in four games, but your Denver Nuggets would not be denied. Got up to a nice lead. Never really relinquished it. There was a very brief segment of this game at the end of it where the Warriors, they they put up a massive fight to get back into this thing, took the lead for a very brief amount of time, but the Nuggets finished the game on a 7-0 run. They out-execute the Warriors down the stretch, and good lord, it was a stressful one for sure. You knew that the Nuggets would show up for this one after... I think the first six minutes of the game, they really brought it. Jokic was really bringing it for sure. But throughout this game, all you could feel, honestly, for this Denver Nuggets team was pride. In that, look, things have worked against this team for a long time. It is definitely not their year. But they pulled it out anyway. And the reason they did was because they're a resilient bunch. And... There was definitely some wonder of whether the resiliency was still there, given how they've they've kind of folded at various times. They had really started fighting at the end of Game 2 or throughout Game 2, sort of tied it back together, tied the room back together, and they fought hard in Game 3, ultimately lost. But this one, Game 4, you don't want to be embarrassed, you don't want to be swept, and the team absolutely delivered as a unit. It was very, very impressive. Nikola Jokic, got to start with him. This was one of his best performances for sure. It wasn't perfect. He had seven turnovers. His defense at the end was not good. But he was also getting switched on to Steph Curry, and I'm not sure any Denver person, any Denver player would have been that great had Curry isolated against Rivers or against Jeff Green or against Will Barton or anybody like that. Like, That's sort of the thing in this is that obviously Jokic is going to be at a disadvantage there, but it didn't really matter because Jokic at the beginning of this game put Denver into a position where they could take the lead early and really hold on to it throughout the game. 18 points in the first quarter for Jokic, including back-to-back threes. The Nuggets held Golden State to 21 total points. Denver scored 26. Jokic was putting in work. And what he did to start this game really set the tone for how the Nuggets were going to have to handle this one. And he wasn't perfect the rest of the way. Definitely didn't like put up the best performance that I've seen out of him personally. I, th- I actually think his game three was better than his game four. But the timing of what he was able to do and how the Nuggets were able to respond was very, very impressive. He didn't get a lot of help early. Uh, to be clear, like I think Aaron Gordon had four points, but no other starter had scored in the first quarter. And not getting that help, uh, Golden State kept it close because of that. There were some not, not as many shot attempts from guys, a couple turnovers here or there. But more than anything, Denver needed a massive boost from their bench. And they got it. They absolutely got it, and it kicked off with Bones Highland, who... In basically back-to-back-to-back possessions, scored three threes, and they were deep as hell. They were 
unbelievable dagger-type shots that were coming in the second quarter. And Bones' confidence to pull up in that situation, showcase his ability, showcase his complete and lack for like lack for humility in that situation where, oh, you're supposed to roll over to the Warriors. You're supposed to play the game a certain way. No, he's going to play the game the way that he knows how. And that's by pulling up from 30. And some of the shots that he attempted were just absolutely insane. And the fact that he hit him, even more insane. He had those three threes, and they were the only three threes that he hit during the game. He did other things that were that were solid as well. But those shots, leading a an all-bench lineup at the time, you had Bones, you had Rivers, Bryn Forbes, Jamichael Green, DeMarcus Cousins. Denver needed the spacing. They needed the spark, and he absolutely gave it to them. One of the shots that he hit was off of uh, was against Jonathan Kaminga, who I thought played pretty well in this game. Jonathan Kaminga did, but Bones got him switched on an ISO, dribbled it between his legs four or five times, and then stepped back, got to the spot that he wanted, and absolutely drained it. Nothing but the bottom, and then the next three that he hit was in transition. He got a switch and then pulled up from 32 or however deep it was. The confidence and the gall to do that is absurd. And it gives me so much confidence for Denver going forward and even like for like for next game and for next like whenever Denver's next games are going to come. It gives me so much confidence that Bones is just one of those guys. He's one of those foxhole guys that you need. I'm going to talk about foxhole guys in the second segment, Uh, but I really wanted to give Bones his due here because that moment, that singular moment was so big that it carried Denver into halftime with a lead by itself. It was huge. But there were some definite breakdowns, for sure. I don't want to lie to anybody and say that the Nuggets were perfect in this game. They weren't. And I think it's pretty clear. Clay Thompson, five of five at one point from three, finishes with 32 points, 12 of 20 from the field, seven of 11 from three. He was absolutely unbelievable as a shooter. But he wasn't the only shooter out there. Jordan Poole really struggled, and he struggled dealing with the physicality that uh Aaron Gordon was playing against him, and and even Monte Morris at times was playing him pretty well. Uh, you had Steph Curry, who had 33 points, but he did it on 10 of 23 from the field, 3 of 11 from 3, free throws, 10 of 14 for Steph. That's probably one of the things where the Warriors are going to improve next game. But it was a big deal that Denver held him to a pedestrian night for him as opposed to the unbelievable shooting that he had in the first three games and ditto for Jordan Poole as well. Those guys combining for 44 points on 33 shots was a much bigger deal than them combining for 50 points on 25 shots or whatever it was before. But Clay was doing well and the Nuggets weren't necessarily defending him well. I thought that Will Barton really struggled on this one. thought that Jeff Green... Epic cardio game from Jeff Green tonight. He did not do a thing. Uh, he had an and one that he that he scored on a bucket on a putback. But other than that, there was no singular game, uh, singular play that he had, 
other than the foul that really took him out of the game late in the third or kind of mid to late through the third quarter. Those are the only really sequences that he had in this game. And that was pretty disappointing to see. And Will Barton really struggled in this game too, up until the very end. And we'll get to that at this, at some point, but uh, the defense played on Clay Thompson tonight was not good. And it's, it's a place where Denver can definitely improve, but you take that when you hold Jordan Poole down and you hold Steph to 33 on 23 shots and, him missing four free throws. That was that was a big deal. But the one guy who was really executing defensively throughout this game was Austin Rivers. He got the defensive player of the game chain from Michael Malone post-game. He had five steals uh, in the first half alone. He finished with five, but he was actually... Supposed to be credited with six, I think, but they took one away. I'm not sure even where they gave that to, but Rivers gets the defensive player of the game chain for what he did against Steph and against Jordan Poole. And he he switched on to other guys too and just caused havoc. And we'll talk about his late game play too, Uh, but it just seems like he's one of those guys like Bones. You want him in the foxhole. You want him on your side. Even if he's not going to score a bunch of points, he still had three assists tonight. He was a plus 12. Bones led the way with plus 13. Actually tied with Bryn Forbes, by the way. Um, But it was just very interesting, I think, to see those guys step up in this moment where Denver needed the boost. They needed some spark off the bench. And those guys gave Denver a spark in completely different ways. It was a big, big deal. Then you get to halftime. And Denver's up by double digits at half, but you know that the Golden State Warriors are going to bring it in the third quarter. And they did. Golden State shot and scored 37 points in the third quarter alone. So Denver had to keep pace because the Warriors, they were starting to get hot. They hadn't shot the ball well up until that point outside of Clay, but then they started to get hot. And lo and behold, Monte Morris, who had really struggled in that first half, hits five threes in the third quarter. He was on fire. He was dribbling into threes. He was getting them off the catch. He was doing everything that he needed to do to space the floor for Nikola Jokic and for Aaron Gordon and for Jeff Green. And like Jeff Green didn't do anything in this game, but he wasn't necessarily spacing the floor himself. There were possessions where he would catch the ball in the corner and then pass it right back. That's a frustrating one, but But Monte showed up. Monte came to play. Another foxhole guy. You know that he's going to show up in these big moments because he's big game Tay. That's just how he does it. And Joker continued to do his thing. I think he had 22 points at half, if I'm not mistaken. He might have had something else, but he ended the third quarter with 33 points and just had to continue to put Denver on his back in these situations And it was a lot of different ways that he did it, too. He had post-ups against Draymond Green. He had off-the-dribble opportunities. He had the spot-ups from three. He got himself into the paint off the dribble and then would hit the floater. He was just doing his thing and, and finding ways to get to his most efficient spots and hitting those shots as well as he could. It's all you can really ask for in this case. And let me just double check looking at the shot chart just in case I'm missing something here. No, he uh he had one 
uh, 18-footer off the jumper, and uh, that was from the right elbow. And then he had a couple shots at the at the el- or at the free throw line, excuse me, but he had the three threes. But everything else was around the paint and kind of in floater distance or right under the basket. He just continues to prove that he's one of the best at getting to the rim and getting around to his favorite spots where you know that he's going to deliver. Put himself into a position where the defense had no chance. And even though it was Draymond Green, even though it was uh, a Warriors defense that is very good at forcing bad decisions, did Jokic have seven turnovers? Yes. But he was also handling the ball so much. And the, the problem, honestly, was that the rest of Denver's guys had a whole bunch of turnovers too. Because with as often as he handles the ball, he should like he should have a high number of turnovers and the rest of the team should not. That that didn't necessarily happen. But either way, puts up 33 through three quarters. And then he comes out at the fourth. And this is a big stretch because the Warriors, each of those last three games, had really taken advantage of the minutes where or actually it was it wasn't even the previous two, but last game where Denver really showed up. Golden State took advantage of the minutes without Joker on the court in the fourth quarter. This game, minutes without Jokic on the court, they were much, much better. And it comes down to bones, right? Comes down to bones and his ability to break down the defense, make key plays in the early fourth. He kicked out to Rivers on a drive that that was a a three-pointer that Steve Kerr had to take a timeout after. But then it, it wasn't just... Actually, here here's one play. Bones hit Clay with the fillet of a layup and drive on the left baseline, where he got switched out onto onto Clay, and Clay had to really respect his jumper, and that's kind of how the Warriors really kill you. When when he has to respect the jumper, and Bones kind of lulls him to sleep, and then he drives right past him. That's the way that Bones can make use of his outside shooting. It isn't always about going to it. It's about utilizing the threat of it to expand on your other parts of your game. And that was a big play. The kick out to Rivers in the corner was a big play. But also to Marcus Cousins, I, I would be remiss if I did not shout him out. Jamichael Green also had a couple possessions like this too, but they were mostly dump offs around the rim. DeMarcus Cousins did a really nice job in this game of putting the pressure on the Warriors when they went to a lineup. That wasn't good. They were having Andre Iguodala guard DeMarcus Cousins. And Iguodala in 13 minutes was a minus 10. The reason why he was a minus 10 with five fouls was because he couldn't stop DeMarcus Cousins from getting to where he wanted to go. And Cousins would bury him under the rim or at least draw the fouls and draw the shooting fouls while he was in the post. It was awesome. That's that's exactly how he should be approaching his minutes. And his ability to help get the Nuggets into the bonus was a big deal for Denver down the stretch. They needed that. They absolutely did. Denver shot 36 free throws in this game. Aaron Gordon was a big part of that. He attempted 13. Nikola Jokic only shot six. But Cousins got to the line six times as well. Bones got to the line four times. Very, very important for Denver to get to the line and find free opportunities for points. And they did. And Steve Kerr commented on this out after the game, too. He, he thought those were fouls. He thought that the Warriors were fouling. And that's what kept Denver 
in this one, to be honest. Because they shot like crazy from the field, 56 from the field, 48 from three. But they also got to the line 36 times and made 29 of those, 80%. Denver's been a good free throw shooting team in this series. And that has really kept them afloat in this. So very, very good stuff from them overall. But when Jokic, Monte, and AG come back into the game, it's that they're at the 7-15 mark in the fourth quarter. There are a lot of people that were wanting Nikola to come back in a little bit sooner. I'm not surprised that he stayed out a little bit. He played 38 minutes in this game. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. If Denver goes deep in this series, they'll probably play Nikola 40. I, I get it. But it's a 7-15 mark. Denver's up by 8, 108 to 100. And Monte, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic score 15 out of the next 18 points. They showed up big time, whether it was Monte going off the dribble, whether it was Nikola Jokic finding his spots within the defense, whether it was Aaron Gordon finding his spots within the defense. He actually had to bail Denver out on a nice pull-up too from the left elbow, basically, where Draymond Green was contesting over him and AJ got the shot to drop. That was a big, big shot because Golden State had played 23 seconds of great defense. 24, honestly. And AJ still got that shot to drop. That's not one that you would expect for them to normally get, but they got it anyway. And so you get that play, you get Jokic in the post, in the middle of the floor, doing his thing. You get Monte taking advantage of the defense. Like they're devoting so much attention to Jokic throughout the game that they actually deployed a box and one on one of the last possessions where they didn't have Draymond Green because he fouled out of the game. Jokic did his job. Draymond did it, or uh, Cousins did his job, excuse me. And Kevon Looney came into the game and he was guarding Jokic man up. But they also had the box and one and had two guys just basically devoted to stopping Nikola Jokic when he was on one side of the floor. And then he would rotate over and it was just crazy to watch. So very, very impressed with how Denver dealt with this pressure. But even though they were up, even though they made it work, even though they were scoring, the Warriors didn't go away. And there was a brief moment of time where Golden State led 121 to 119. And it was entirely because of them having to, them going small, Denver not necessarily playing disciplined defensively. I thought Jokic was pretty bad in his last stint defensively, not just because of the, the isolation switches or anything like that. Those were defensive breakdowns by Denver entirely. But also on the residual plays where guys would get offensive rebounds and putbacks, guys would get open kickouts for three. Uh, there was a lot of potential breakdowns for Denver in those last five to seven minutes of the game. That wasn't just about Jokic not being able to stay in front of Steph Curry. But that's what will get all the clicks. I understand it. It is what it is. It's also like it is a big thing. Like that that sort of is emblematic of the series, right? Where you have Jokic trying to play isolation defense against the best shooting player of this generation. And that's pretty tough. That is a pretty tough ask. But Denver, they fight through it. They get their buckets. 
They go down initially 121 to 119, but they score four straight points with a Jokic uh, layup and then a Monte floater. And then 33 seconds left because Denver got the two for one. Denver's up two. Golden State runs this play for Andrew Wiggins that they've run several times before, including against Denver. And they try to lob it over the top, but Austin Rivers, he figures it out, he sniffs it out, gets to the position where the ball is being lobbed and tips it away. Denver steals it. And then Jokic comes back into, or Jokic was in the game. Um, And Denver, they go to the pick and roll with Monte and Jokic. Jokic gets the pocket pass, Euro steps around a defender, and then fires a pass into the corner to an open Will Barton who sets, fires, and hits. A big, big shot to put Denver up five in the closing seconds. It was an absolute dagger, and it was really, really cool to see. Really cool to see Will get his moment. And Denver wins that game. They are not getting swept. They are not going away lightly which is the most anybody could ask for from a Nuggets fan. You just wanted Denver to show up, play with pride, and do things the way that they had done in the past, where the chips got down and all they did was they played better when the chips got down. So we'll see if they can do it again on Wednesday night. When we come back, I want to talk about Will Barton's shot. I want to talk about the foxhole mentality that the Nuggets have to have. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. If you could... uh, like, subscribe to the post. Oh, this isn't YouTube. My, my apologies. But uh, if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the program on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, that would be fantastic. All right, let's get into... I want to I talk about Will Barton here really quick. And look, Nikola Jokic was fantastic, and he deserves all of the flowers. Aaron Gordon deserves a lot of credit. He showed up in this game in a big way. Uh, Monte Morris, what, what more can you say about Monte? 24 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3, 5 assists, 3 turnovers. He was such a big piece. Will Barton was a team worst minus 12 tonight. 6 points, 2 of 7 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. Wasn't good defensively. Struggled to execute certain things on the defensive end and Frankly, sometimes it didn't look like he wanted the ball on the offensive end, that they were doing a whole bunch of stuff with Monte Morris, Nicole Jokic, Aaron Gordon in the middle of the floor, and Will Barton sometimes ended up in the corner or on the wing and just wasn't really that involved in what Denver was doing. And this even happened in the bench, too, where Bones Highland was doing his thing. And at the beginning of the fourth quarter, like Will played the entire fourth. I didn't hear anybody complaining about Will in the fourth quarter when Bones was doing his thing and Austin Rivers hit a three off of a kick out and DeMarcus Cousins was doing his thing. Will was there and he was not good tonight overall. 
but he hit the biggest shot of the game. And he was in the corner. He was there for most of the night, like I said. And Nikola Jokic, noted, trusting player, somebody who has previously said that anybody that's on the court, he trusts anybody that's on the court and playing for the Denver Nuggets. He's going to trust them in the game because he believes that they should be there. And with the game on the line, you're up by two. You need a big basket. Jokic does what he always does. He gets the ball in the middle of the floor. He makes a good decision. And the best decision for him was to trust Will Barton on that play. Open in the left corner. Barton is shooting 40 plus percent from three in the playoffs this year. And I know he missed the bad one from three in the previous game. I know he had some bad moments defensively and that like it, it doesn't all get boiled down to one shot. But Will Barton finally got to have his moment where he got to have a, a game like clinching, uh, not saving, not game, not game winning, but a game clinching shot where Nikola Jokic trusted him to make the shot. The Nuggets put him into a position where he could make the shot and he had to deliver and he did. That's really cool. That is a really cool thing, just objectively. Like you, you always hear about this stuff in sports, right? Like a player struggles throughout the year, not necessarily their time, but he gets an opportunity to prove himself. And in spite of all of the haters, all of the odds, he steps up, makes a big play when it counts. That should be celebrated. That's something that should be praised, even. And yet I have a lot of people in my mentions that when I say, Nikola Jokic trusts Will Barton, you definitely should too. There are a lot of people that are like, yeah, but the rest of his game sucked. Yeah, it was bad. Guys, I know. I know. There are a lot of players that really struggle throughout games only to make plays in the biggest moments. And usually it is celebrated, usually for a team like Denver that hadn't experienced winning at all this year, that would be a bigger moment for a fan base than what it was. The fact that Will's shot was not celebrated to the degree that it really should have been, it shows his standing within the fan base right now to the utmost degree. And it's too bad. It really is that that there's a lot of people out there that can't even get excited for him, that can't even get excited for this brief moment where everybody should be happy because you want a guy gone that badly. And look, I go to bat for Will because I've seen what he gives to Denver and I've seen what he means to this Nuggets culture. And he does mean something. It's it's crazy to think that he doesn't. And is Denver probably going to have to move on from him at some point? Yeah, probably. Probably so. It might even happen this offseason. But up until this point, Will Barton had not had a moment in the playoffs that you could really legitimately say was his moment. Where it was a victory, where it was a positive thing, and where the fan base could just cheer for their guy and celebrate his success because it was so in line with the team's success that everybody was just so happy. I hope everybody can get to that place with him now, where even if they lose on Wednesday, at least you get this moment. 
Everybody knows Nikola Jokic is great. Everybody can celebrate Monte and Aaron Gordon and Bones Highland and all of these guys. Austin Rivers finally got credit from so many people today. Give Will Barton his flowers too. It wasn't his best game, but he made the big shot that mattered. That's all you can really say. Now, I'm about to transition into a category about foxhole mentality. He's not going to be a part of that because I do think that there is a difference between making the big play and just the guys that Denver needs to go to bat with. And and there I so I do understand and I do acknowledge that there is a difference between those things. That you can make a play in a big moment and it'd still be okay to not necessarily want that guy on the court at a different point. But I do want to talk about the foxhole because Denver has had a lot of questions about who is in that group. Who who do you want to trust this year? And Jokic is obviously at the top of that list. He has done just about everything to keep this team afloat. And I think Aaron Gordon, despite the fact that he struggled in Golden State, despite the fact that he's had some ups and downs throughout this year, the vast majority of the time he has been doing his job, and has been working extremely hard to deliver in the way that he knows how, which is more of a hustler role now than it is necessarily a skill role or a just like he's got such a unique role within Denver that he's had to carve this out without Murray and Porter on the court that it has really kind of shined some ugly lights on his game when in reality, if those guys were here, We would be talking about how great his rebounding was because he'd probably be averaging 14 rebounds a night. But these are the guys that you want guarding your back, that you want to go to war with, and that there's a reason why Michael Malone is playing all of these guys. Monte Morris is one of them. He has clearly been at a disadvantage defensively at times, and there's some things that he just can't control. But offensively, he has delivered on more than one occasion, and he knows what to do defensively. There's definitely not any question about his his ability to read the court, his ability to see the floor, whatever. He'll get hit with the occasional back cut. That's fine. But for the most part, he'll fight through screens. He'll do his best. And that's all you can really ask for from a guy like that. Austin Rivers, another clear foxhole guy, somebody that you know is going to lay his entire body out on the line because he wants to win badly. He's a competitive dude, clearly knows that he's on this Nuggets team to make the hustle plays, not on this Nuggets team to make the flashy plays. And that's okay. There are guys, there are different roles on the team, and, and Rivers has clearly taken that, that foxhole role. Somebody where he will stick to the glue, he'll stick like glue to Steph Curry or Jordan Poole or somebody like that. And you can enjoy that for sure. Other guys that are different foxhole guys, Bones Highland. I'm kind of surprised that Bones is a foxhole guy. I shouldn't be, I guess. But he, at his size, just plays with such a big heart and knows how he can impact the game, knows exactly when to take it by the horns. And this was his game. This was a really, really big moment for him because he helped win a playoff game for a team where the opposing team was there regarding him with Gary Payton II and Draymond Green. It was insane 
just the amount of respect that they were showing him at various points throughout this game. They played Gary Payton II solely to stop Bones. Like Gary Payton, he played seven minutes and that was his role. And did Bones throw one turnover to Gary Payton? Sure. Yes, he did. But for the vast majority of the time, he was great tonight. 15 points, 7 assists, 3 turnovers, team leading plus 13. Still had 4 rebounds as well. Just a guy that you know you can trust. A guy that you know his heart is going to be in the right place. He's going to play the right way. And he's just going to deliver. Because that's what Foxhole guys do in this time. Jermichael Green and DeMarcus Cousins are also foxhole guys. They're in different ways than the other guys, though. You just know that you're going to get 100% effort from them in the way that they know how. And that is just being physical. That is rebounding. But I thought Jermichael Green today, I thought he played some really good defense, too. He had a possession against Klay Thompson where he was one of the only guys to force him to miss. He had some good possessions against Iguodala, against Otto Porter. And just continues to do some great work overall. DeMarcus Cousins, he knows what he's in there to do. He's got to give Denver a little bit of a scoring boost and draw some fouls and muck it up a little bit. And he played that role to perfection today. That's all you can ask for. That's all you can ever really do is hope that a guy delivers in these situations. And he did. I think Faku is a foxhole guy too. Unfortunately, this just isn't the series for him. I I didn't think that it would be because Jordan Poole's just a little bit too athletic for him and Steph Curry is just Steph Curry. So look, it is what it is. If there was a a point guard on the Warriors that needed to be hounded, then maybe Faku would have been a guy that would have been able to deliver that. But I just don't think that there's a great matchup for him in this series. Plus, there are some other deficiencies too. But he is also a foxhole guy. Like I don't, I don't want to take that away from him here, and that's why I want to mention him is because he has been a foxhole guy for Michael Malone throughout this year and last year, and I know that he will deliver the effort and the energy whenever called upon, and that's all you can, that's all you can ask for. So this season has been tough. This season has been difficult for Denver, and. Like I talked about in the previous podcast, sometimes it felt like Sisyphus. Sometimes it still feels like Sisyphus, where he's rolling the, the boulder up the mountain, up the hill, only to know that it's going to come back down. But you got to do it anyway. You just got to go to work. And the harder and harder you push through the impossible, that's where possible can be made. And could Denver be the first team to come back from 3-0? Uh, probably not. Like, like no team has ever done it before. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, they, they definitely have the, the chance to do it. But you know what you got to do is you got to take it one game at a time. And with Foxhole guys, if you do a win or go home game, they are going to show up for sure. That's just how they're wired. And you know that they are going to bring their everything. And that's all you can ask for from a team that has had so many bad things happen to it throughout the year. Just don't go out sad. Keep fighting. Keep pushing. Force the other team to beat you. And if they do, good on them. But not until then. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Game 5. We're going to talk about whether Denver can, can do something impossible or not. We'll be right back.
we're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, let's talk about now, not just the impossible, but like, let's talk about 3-0. Let's talk about where, where Denver's at right now and what it means to be 3-1 now instead. Because I think it, there is a psychological difference between those two. That even if, like, like hypothetically, let's say Denver loses tonight and they 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 go down 4-0 and it feels awful. It feels bad. Losing 4-1 without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. is almost expected against a team like Golden State. Golden State was the favorite team. They were fantastic earlier in the year when they were healthier. Then they got hurt and they struggled a little bit. Now they're healthy. And lo and behold, they look like a championship contender. For Denver, they're without Murray and Porter. It seems pretty reasonable. It seems pretty reasonable to just say, hey, look, this this is uh this is not Denver's year at that point. But the fact that Denver got a win, I think really changes the tenor around the NBA. And there, there are a lot of people that were clowning on Denver for this would have been their second straight sweep. And the one previously was against the Suns, who, by the way, they only lost to the Phoenix or to the to the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not sure if Golden State, like, let's say Golden State wins and moves on. I'm not sure that they're going to be stopped by anybody. Like, there are a lot of people, a lot of teams that are not going to be able to guard them, just like Denver has not been able to guard them. The only question is whether those teams can score more than Denver and they probably will be. Like, not having Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., that really hurts your offense. So, not really surprised by that at all. But let's talk about it from Denver's side now, and what let's be a little bit more positive about this. No team has ever come back from down 3-0. That is true. That has never happened. I'm not sure what the number is, what the record is. I don't I don't care about that. But teams have come back from down 3-1. And you just have to take that mentality that, look, this is something that people have done before at this point, where all you got to do is you just got to take it game by game and understand that it is possible. You just got to work hard for it in order to get to that point. Doesn't mean it will happen, but all you can do is try. All you can do is do your best. And if you if you do your best, and they beat you, then they beat you because you did your best. Uh, or they beat you at your best, which is where you want to be, honestly. Like, you don't want to be giving a team your C effort and then they get through to the next round. That's not fair to anybody. That just that goes out sad. Like, you want to be able to show and to say with your with the game on the line, with the season on the line, you gave it your all. I do think the Snuggets team gave their all in Game 3 and in Game 4. Can they do the same in Game 5? I don't know. It's going to get pretty exhausting here real quick. But it is possible. And the thing about coming back from these deficits is Denver has done it before. They know what it takes. Obviously, you had Murray for that. And his scoring was a big reason why. But the team knows the mentality. Murray is not there. Porter's not there. But Jokic was. And Monte Morris was. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that's it from that bubble team, which is crazy. Let me just... uh, 
Oh, Jermichael Green was on the other side of it. So he knows. He understands. Austin Rivers, who's he? He was on the Knicks at that point, but he'll probably have heard something from Doc. That's for sure. Um, but look, Denver is in this position where they just have to show up for game five. They just have to be put them, putting themselves into a position where they can win that game. And then you bring it home. You've got a, a home court advantage at that point, and you probably have an even larger chance to win that game. But the key thing here, the key factor here that the Nuggets are going to have to remember is you have to be relentless. And I don't necessarily mean in just like the, the scoring way or the, or the defensive way. You've got to be relentless in the moments where the other team wants to break you, where they think they can break you. Just use previous series as good examples here. Utah made various runs against Denver, where whether it was without Jokic or it was with Jokic on the court, uh, if it was Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley or Joe Ingles, they made these massive runs and Denver withstood them. They made sure to hold their ground and then they made some runs of their own. The Clippers, they built up leads against the Nuggets. They thought that Denver would be quitters. Marcus Morris certainly did. He certainly thought that Paul Millsap would be backing down. Paul Millsap did not. He set a great example for Denver in that game. And then in the subsequent games where the Clippers built up leads in game five, six, and seven, double-digit leads in all of them. But Denver, they kept getting hit like Rocky, getting up off the mat anyway, because that's just how they were built. They need to adopt that mentality now. And they hit Golden State first this time around, where they, they were basically up throughout the game. Never really relinquished that lead. And though Golden State ultimately got the lead at the end, Denver then pushed forward. They, they pushed through it anyway. It was 121-119. Denver scored the next seven points. They delivered on that, on that shot, on those shots. You've got to prove to the other team that you're more mentally tough than them. And that's going to be hard against Golden State. They're one of the most mentally tough teams in the NBA. They've been through a lot. But it is possible. And Golden State has, they, like, they've lost 3-1 leads before. So all you got to do is put it into their brains that they could give it up. And then half the battle's already won. You've got to deliver one step at a time. And that comes with winning game five. So here are my keys. Number one, you got to stay glued to Steph Curry. Even if that means that others go off, make sure that Steph does not go off. He started this game like 0 for 5 today. And a lot of them were actually open shots that he just missed. So you knew it was going to be an off day for him. But the thing that Denver did was that Steph tried to shoot through it. He took the most shots of anybody today. Had 37 minutes off the bench. And he never really got going fully. Like there were definitely drives that he had. There were spurts that he had. But he was only 3 of 11 from 3. And Denver, that was a big deal for them. Was they had to make sure to run him off every single shot. And they did. He is probably going to start game 5. I would be shocked 
if he didn't. 37 minutes. They've played around with this lineup long enough with him coming off the bench. My guess is either Jordan Poole goes back to the bench or they actually start that three-guard lineup. And that might be a, a nice wrinkle that Steve Kerr can throw in there that'll probably throw some things off for Denver. But it'll probably start like that. And if that's the case, Denver will probably need to adjust pretty early. But you got to be glued to Steph. Even if it means Jordan Poole goes off or Clay Thompson goes off or Andrew Wiggins gets some open jumpers, make sure to keep Steph out of, out of a rhythm if at all possible. Number two, be physical with Jordan Poole. That was a big note in this game with Aaron Gordon. He started on Jordan Poole and was very physical with him to start. And there were other guys that guarded Poole throughout, but it was clear that Gordon had that as part of his notes for how to deal with Poole. He was getting free, getting open, getting comfortable way too quickly, way too easily. So you got to make things at least difficult for him. And they did. And he had 11 points on 10 shots and had three turnovers. That was a big deal. Number three, get Draymond Green into foul trouble again. Draymond fouled out today. Do that again. That was a great idea. Make sure to do that for sure. For sure. But it isn't just about Jokic. Because Jokic will draw some of those fouls too. But everybody should be attacking him too. Like trying to get into his body, trying to get into him, uh, running into his screens that he sets on the offensive end to see if you could draw an offensive foul. That is the most important thing, is to try to get some of those cheap fouls. Because then it, it aggravates the other team, puts them into a position where they're focusing on the fouls and not the game. And then that's how you gain a mental advantage. Number four, get into the bonus early. Basically same thing, but if you keep Golden State out of the bonus while you're getting free throws, that is a great way to get free points while they have to work for theirs. Very, very easy, but you've got to make your free throws. So Denver's done a good job of that so far. Got to keep going for sure. Number five, contest everything. Make them work for everything. That's just the only way that you can do this is you have to outwork them. They're going to try to just run Denver out of the building for game five. You've got to respond by contesting everything and making them work. That's all you can do. And number six, outshoot the Warriors. That's, that's pretty funny, isn't it? That's, uh, that's pretty funny. Well, here's the thing. The team with the most three-point makes has won each of the games. Golden State had more three-pointers made than Denver in the first three games. Denver had more threes made in this game. They made 15. Golden State made 12. Funnily enough, Denver won. That's just how it's got to be. Your, your shooters have to show up. The guys that you rely upon need to make their shots. You can't be overly dependent upon it, but when you have those opportunities, you got to capitalize on them. There is no room for error against the Golden State Warriors. And they're going to probably shoot pretty well, which means you've got to shoot even better than them. But you can. You've already proven that you've done it. 48% tonight. You could do that to, like on Wednesday. There's no, there's no question that Denver can. Will they is another story. So it's tough. You've got to try to get people in foul trouble. You've got to try to play the free throw game. But you've also got to try to outshoot them. 
you got to win on multiple fronts because Golden State, they won the offensive rebounding battle. They won the rebounding battle in general. They won the turnover battle tonight. But because Denver outshot them and got to the free throw line more, they won. Golden State will probably try and employ the same thing against Denver. So Denver's got to respond in kind. And they can. We'll just see if they will. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by nobody. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. I'm the site manager over at Denver Stiffs. Make sure to check out the great work over there. I'm going to have a mailbag up on the site as well. So just keep an eye out for that. But for now, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support, as always. I'll talk to you guys very soon.